before you're married. That's what my kindergarten teacher always said daily. As little five-year-olds would run to her with owies and boo-boos and tears for some other reason. Don't worry, it will be gone before you're married. That was her way of saying everything's going to be okay. We really never grow out of that, though, do we? It seems like you grow up, and then what happens? Maybe you, you have an accident, or you experience a bad breakup, or you, you get laid off of a job, and, and somebody comes alongside you, and they put their arm around you and say, don't worry. Maybe they don't say it'll be gone before you get married, but they'll say, don't worry. It'll be okay. Everything will be Okay. Do you believe that? Do you believe it when someone tells that to you? Or does that maybe just kind of rub you the wrong way once in a while? I think it depends on who says it to you and depending on what you're experiencing. Right? If, if, uh, if someone, if you, if you lost someone, if you lost a loved one, and someone comes up to you who's never lost someone, and they say, don't worry, you'll be okay. You're like, you don't know what you're talking about. But if someone who went through something similar says it to you, you maybe trust it a little bit more. Or if, you know, I, I always believed my kindergarten teacher when she said it, because I, Mrs. Yankee, I loved Mrs. Yankee. I adored Mrs. Yankee. Other teachers, if they would have said, oh, it's going to be okay, I'm not sure if I would have believed them. What about when God says it to you, though? When God tells you, when God promises you, everything will be okay, do you believe him? Because that's really what he promises today in the five-star passage that we're going to be looking at from Romans 8, verse 28. Now, before I read this off-quoted verse, I want you to listen to what being okay is and what it isn't. I think sometimes we get in our minds that everything being okay means it's going to be just like it was. God never promises that. God never promises that if you get laid off of a job that within a week you're going to be rehired at the same place. God never promises that if you lose a loved one, he's going to raise him again like he did that little Shunammite boy or he did for Lazarus. He doesn't promise that. God never promises that things are going to be like the good old days. What he does promise is good new days. That everything will be okay. In these words, so Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? You know, if I'm honest, I, I do believe the first half most of the time of that passage. Okay, God will work things out for the good. But where that nasty Satan weaves his way into my mind is the second half. Because I start to wonder, well, do I really love God? Am I someone that he's going to work things out the good for the good of? Or I begin to wonder, am I 
somebody who's called according to his purpose? And I don't think I'm alone in asking that question. Which is why we really need not only Romans 8, 28 to stand alone, but we also need to hear verses 29 and 30. Because in verses 29 and 30, God gives us five stellar reasons why you and I can believe this five-star promise. Everything is going to work out for our good. How? To help us today, I'm going to ask that we kind of use, everybody brought your visual aid with you today, your hand, all right? So I needed something with five. You have five fingers, all right? And if you look at your hand, you, you see your thumb is kind of big gap there, right? A big gap separating it from your, your other four fingers. And yet, it's such an important part of the hand. That thumb, maybe even more part than anything else, really helps you to grasp something. So too, when we look at these five stellar reasons that God gives to us why we can hold on to this promise, the first one kind of has a big gap. As Jesus, as, as, as Paul writes here in Romans, he takes us all the way back to eternity. He says, this is the reason why you know that everything will work out for your good. God foreknew you. Before eternity, before God ever said, let there be, he knew you. Before God ever before you were even a glimmer in your father's eyes, your heavenly father knew you. That in and of itself should be comforting. It should bring some trust to our life. I, you know, I've been to many, many weddings in my life and I, I always hear these best men or these maid of honor get up and they, they give their speech at their dinner and, and oftentimes this is what they'll say, oh, we go way back, right? That's why they're the best man. That's why they're the maid of honor. But, but even that phrase, we go way back, that carries some weight to it. That helps explain why they're the best man. Or it helps explain why they're the maid of honor. And, or it's the same way that you talk about your friends. I've heard numerous of you people talk about, oh, they're my lifelong friend. If you're a lifelong friend or you go way back, that means it's somebody you can trust. Somebody who knows you. Well, look at what God says here. He says, everything's going to work out for your good. Why? Because he foreknew you. He doesn't just go back 10 years, 20 years, 30 years with you. But he knew you before the creation of the world. Now, while that should be super comforting, Satan once again gets his way and he weasels his way into our minds and he turns that comfort into questions, doesn't he? He can get me to ask, well, why does God foreknow me? Or how does he know me from way back then? Or if God foreknew me, then why did this, this, and this, and this happen in my life? If he knew this all, if he knew everything I'd be, be dealing with. Or maybe we ask, well, if he knew me, why is it because I'm, I'm special? If, or if he, if he chose me from all eternity, does that mean that he, he chose other people to go to hell? 
Those are some natural questions that come up with this phrase. And I'll acknowledge those questions. Those are, those are logical questions. But I'll also let you know they're not biblical questions. If you look at the rest of Romans, God makes it very clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He foreknew, he chose people, not because they're special, but simply because of his grace. He also makes it very clear in his word that God wants all people to be saved. And he also makes it very clear in his word that yes, he chose people, he foreknew people from all eternity that he would spend eternity with. But it doesn't say that he chose people for hell. People chose themselves or chose hell for themselves. God gets all the credit. We get all the blame. And that makes that that maybe sounds confusing. But I'm asking you today, just simply let God's word be God's word. This introduces a deep, deep concept. It's called the doctrine of election. And sometimes we make it too big of a deal, to be quite honest. Because we try to say, well, if that happened, then why not that happen? If this person, if God chose this person, then why? why you know, we, we make it all complex. But every time, every time that God talks about this concept of foreknowing people or choosing people from all eternity, it's never meant to raise questions. It's always meant to calm questions. It's in a situation like this where we say, how do I know God's going to work everything out for my good? How do I know I'm called according to his purpose? And God comes alongside us. He says, because I foreknew you. From all eternity, I had you in mind. That's the comfort that God intends with his words. So let God's word speak. And that's one of the reasons why you can hold on to that five-star promise that all things are going to work out because God foreknew you. And then just like that, he, he, he jumps way ahead to the other end of the spectrum of eternity. He says, and if God foreknew you, that also means he predestined you, which is really the same, saying the same thing. It's just a matter of perspective. Foreknew looks back. Before God created this world, he knew you. Predestined points you forward. It tells you what he foreknew you for. Do I need to repeat that? It tells you what he foreknew you for. That he, <coughs> he predestined you for something amazing. Look what it says there. He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. You know, you think of of what maybe expectant parents think or dream that their kids are going to be. Maybe even before they, they ever are expecting a child, they, they think someday I'm going to have this kid who's just this very successful business person or, or some you know, all-star athlete or renowned musician or the cure of cancer is going to come from, from your offspring. But no matter how lofty your dreams are for your kids or your grandkids, they cannot compare 
to what God has dreamt up for you. Not just a dream, it's what he destined for you. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He, can, he, he predestined us to be exactly what he made Adam and Eve to be. Remember how he made them? Before, before he formed Adam out of the ground, there was a little conference in eternity where, where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit met, and they said, ah, let us make man kind in, in our image. That's what God has in store for you. He wants you to enjoy all the blessings that Jesus enjoys. He, he's, he has you to be destined to be like Jesus, to enjoy all the blessings of heaven that Jesus earned for you. And you just, you just pair those two things together, that he foreknew you and he predestined you, that gives us something to hold on to. That, that, that lets us know that, that nothing... You know, if you see the starting point and the ending point, it doesn't necessarily matter how many twists and turns are in between here because you know in the end everything's going to be okay. You are on the right track. But there comes Satan again. And he whispers in our ears. And he says, well, how do you know? How do you know that you're on the right track? How do you know that you're predestined to spend eternity with God? And that's something that God answers here too. I'm going to ask you to, to think about, so if this is, this is God foreknew you, this is God predestined you, you got the beginning and the end, you go back to this finger. That somewhere in line, God in his wisdom and in his grace pointed you to the promises of God's word. He pointed you to all these promises that Jesus lived and sacrificed for you, won heaven for you, so that it's not just a dream, but it's a destiny. Maybe it was a mom who, who rocked you to sleep singing, I am Jesus' little lamb, or Jesus loves me. Maybe it was the waters of baptism that God used to, to point you to the, the message of forgiveness that washes away all of your sins. Maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe it was how, he, how he still works today, how he works through Holy Communion and, and points you to those beautiful promises that, that here's Jesus' body and blood given and shed for you. In many ways, God works, but he points you, and that's, that's what he says here. Anybody he predestined, he called. He called you to the gospel. He called you into relationship with him. And in case you don't notice it, he's doing it right now. Right? When we gather here today, we're not, we're not here exchanging recipes, or we're not comparing our final four brackets. We're, he's, he's using his word. The fact that you are in contact with his word, what, what Paul writes to the Romans here, he says, that lets you know you're on the right track. But he doesn't stop there. Why is being called into a relationship, why is being called by the word so vital 
Paul goes on to write, because those he called, he also justified. Now justified is a word that probably needs to be explained. It's it, the way the Bible uses it, it was a courtroom term. It was like a, a judge slamming down his gavel and saying, not guilty. That's not something you and I should expect to hear when we stand before God. But it is something we will hear. Why? Because we've been called, we've been justified, because we've been called into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, and, and, and that's really what I, if I'm going to use my hand as my, my aid today, so we got God foreknew us, God predestined us, God pointed us to Jesus. And then you think of this, this finger is, is your ring finger. Uh, but even if you don't have a ring on your, on your hand today, you see, I want, you, you do have a relationship. You do have a relationship with Jesus. And, and Jesus uses that picture throughout his word. He says, if you're into a relationship with me, that means I'm going to present you before my God like, like a bride. Like a bride is presented on her wedding day. Without stain, without wrinkle, without blemish, but just radiant and glorious, holy and blameless. That's what justified means. And through the word, through the sacrament that you have been called by, that is what leads you to be justified. Because Jesus says, you can have my holiness. You can have my blamelessness. You can have my not guiltiness. You can have my righteousness. You are without stain. And that too, that too is what we need be reminded of because there's Satan whispering in our ears and he, he's, he holds our stains in front of us. He holds our sins in front of us. And he says, how, how do you think you're ever going to get into heaven like that? Dress like that. How do you think you're ever going to get away with this or that? How, how, do you, how do you ever think you're going to stand before God and he's going to say not guilty? And you go back to these words. Because God foreknew you, because God predestined you, because he called you, he also justified you. And so you hold on to those four things. And that's a pretty firm grip already. That you know that everything's going to work out for your good. And yet, obviously, there's still one finger left, right? That was not always the best, but I will tell you, today for our purposes, it also reminds us that there is something that is still the best that is coming towards us. And it's the fifth promise that, that Paul writes here. He says, okay, because you are known from all eternity, because you're predestined to be with Jesus, because God has called you, because he's justified you by putting you into a relationship with Jesus, what's next? you're also going to be glorified. Glorified. Which assures you, you're not just going to barely sneak your way into heaven and have to sit in the corner in the darkness all day. But it's going to be fantastic. 
You're going to be glorified. You know, I, I did a little word search on this, this word, and if my sources are correct, it, 61 times this word shows up in the New Testament in this, in this context. And all of the times, it always has God or his word as the object. God be glorified. His word be honored. Uh, God be praised. All of the times, it's reserved for God. Except this one time. Which is God's way of saying, look at what's reserved for you. You're going to enjoy and experience what it's like to be me. You're going to enjoy and experience the glory that I have. That's the promise. And what's also neat here, I mean, if that's that, that five-reason promise that he gives us, that we're, we're foreknown, that we're predestined, that we're called, that we're justified, that we're glorified. There's something else about that word glorified, though, that, that maybe is surprising. You notice what tense it is? It's glorified. I get all the other ones being in the past tense. But this one I have a little struggle with. I'm not in heaven yet. So how can God say I'm going to be glorified? Or I am glorified, not I will be. Because that shows us that when God says something, it's already as good as done. His word is always true. And if his word is always true, that is why we can know, and not just hope or pray, but we can know all things will work out for the good of those who love him, including you. And so my prayer uh, for you friends today is just that you use God's five stellar reasons to continue to hold on to that beautiful promise. Know that he foreknew you. Know that he has predestined you. Today he calls you. He also has justified you. And he's also glorified you. So to him be the glory. Amen. Uh, let's stand now. Uh, we'll